In this episode, we talk about how a workplace safety program can boost employee productivity and increase a company's bottom line. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to another episode of the Latino Business Report. Today, we're going to talk to you about how to save money in your business. Not only how to save money, but how you can probably make money through safety. And to tell us about that, we have my friend and guest today, Leonard Trinidad. Leonard, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, JR. Thanks for having me. Leonard, it's so great to have you back on the show. And uh, we're going to talk about how business owners can actually improve their profits and bottom line. And to me, it's something I haven't thought about, and I'm sure a lot of people haven't thought about that. But by having a good safety program in your business, it actually can save you money and in the long run, make you money. Yeah, I agree. And um, just like you said, it it affects the bottom line of an organization. And even more so, uh, it's good, especially for the listeners that are out there right now to understand if you're an employee, uh, the benefit of having a workplace safety program in place. So if you don't have one, uh, I would definitely use this information and perhaps talk to your supervisor or owner of your company about instituting one in place for you. Well, I know that the last time we talked, you kind of gave me an overview of about five points that um, people need to know about that really help their bottom line when it comes to to uh, coordinating a program with safety. Can you kind of go over those points with us? Yeah, sure. The The five points that we looked at really affect an organization around having a workplace safety program, and we'll dive into each one of these, though. Uh, it's one, it's reduction in costs, approximately about 40%. Uh, there's increased productivity. Number three, there's improvements in health, safety, and wellness. Um, you get better retention rates. And of course, you know, you follow that up by just the reduction of risk that takes place. Yeah, you said 40% savings on the, that first one. That seemed like a lot. Of, that's a lot of money there, there Leonard. Tell, tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, it is. So, so that 40% reduction, reduction is directly related to injury and workplace illness. Um, and this is actually according to OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration that oversees workers' comp. Uh, when you start looking at the, the actual hard numbers of what a workers' comp claim can mean, uh, the average injury is about $42,000 in a workers' comp claim payout. Um, and even if you take the injury place out of it, there's there's things such as keeping up with records around OSHA 300 logs, uh, injury reports, things of that nature. The average fine for improper uh, paperwork, according to OSHA, is about $4,000. So again, to a business owner that that is not expecting these type of costs, uh, knowing that that reduction can happen around 40%, again, according to OSHA, just in injury and violations alone, is a direct uh, impact to that bottom line of theirs. Okay. I mean, not even talking about the problem, but a fine of what? $4,000? $4,000 just for paperwork. Just, wow. So if you don't dot all your I's and cross your T's correctly, you could end up with a $4,000 fine. Correct. And and I, I've been on plenty of site visits with workers' comp uh, uh, inspectors and it can be everything from a log where maybe a uh, hazardous material wasn't uh, recorded correctly. 
Uh, it could be, you know, worn out extension cords in an office place that, you know, you assume that everybody's just sitting around and there's not really any kind of safety safety concerns because they're sitting behind a computer. But, uh, you know, cords, stairs being too short, um, along with the injury, the violation of what can happen around practices and paperwork is what are some of those unseen fines that people don't think about every day. When you're talking about the fines, okay, so... You can be fined for not doing the right paperwork, but an incident has to occur first, right? Uh, no, not necessarily. So if if an employee feels that a workplace is unsafe in for whatever form or fashion, uh, they can stage a complaint. And that's with no accident actually occurring on the workplace. Um, and if an investigation comes forward and... You know, the work, the job site is looking, looked at, uh, it's evaluated, documentation is, is considered, then that, that can direct, a, that can create a direct uh, violation in terms of uh, just paperwork and workplace safety. Wow. So you could actually go through without any incident and still be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember at a past employer that I had for, for an example, um, people were always tripping on the stairs going up to the second floor. Uh, and then what it came to find out was those those stairs in that workplace were made way too small. Um, they were out of code at that point. So enough people had complained. Gladly, it didn't go to workers' comp or to an OSHA claim. But once we, were, we found out that those stairs were too short and then they weren't marked properly, um, that could create an injury. It could create a violation. Um, and those are things that, again, people point out. And if, you know, somebody wanted to stage a complaint about it, they could have. Okay. So on your first point, talking about a savings up to 40%, we're talking about a savings of doing it right where you avoid OSHA violations, uh, injuries, uh, insurance claims, things of that nature. It, it is. And even more so without the fines, uh, when, when you take that out of it, anytime there's an injury on the work job, one, is there a workers' comp claim that could be paid out? Yes, of course. But there's also loss of, of labor. There's loss of production time. Um, that, that has a cost that's also associated to the business by an employee being out. That can be, again, directly correlated to that bottom line piece. And that's if, in fact, the business has workman's comp. Because, I mean, let's be realistic. Leonard, there's a lot of businesses out there that are small upstarts or mom-and-pop businesses that are family-owned, and they just don't have workman's comp insurance in place. Uh, that is true. Uh, a surprising fact, however, is Texas is the only state in the U.S. that does not require workers' comp insurance. So there are other 49 do. Um, so if you're a Texas employer or an employee, yes, it is a voluntary program. Uh, however, the minute that that business expands to another state, better believe that they should have workers comp in place. Otherwise, it's a violation. Um, and even if it is optional in Texas, you, you got to think about this. It's an insurance, right? It, it's nothing that you want to have or it's nothing that you ever want to take advantage of and use because of a claim. But it's there to protect your business. Again, if the average workplace injury is $42,000 in claims, would you rather have insurance pay that out or would you rather have to pay that out of your, out of your own pocket directly to an injured employee? $42,000. That'll definitely put a small business out of business. Very much so. Let's go to, the, to number two on your list. What was that? Yep. So number two was, uh, I alluded to it in the, in the earlier statement. It's about increased productivity. So 
The top benefits of an effective workplace safety and health program increase productivity and reduce costs. When you have a safe workplace environment, uh, employees aren't necessarily worried or getting injured on the job. So they're not missing work. They come, they're able to work and perform their jobs efficiently, effectively, safely. That in turn has a direct correlation to the business and what not only are they paying employees, but what maybe the product, the, the cost of their product or service. Uh, more people on the lines, happy at work, being safe and uninjured means more, more revenue back to the company. So are you telling me that there's an actual correlation between employee satisfaction and productivity? Very much so. Um, a fun fact also, I'm, I'm just, I have a couple of facts here today, but um, in 2020, 36% of employees in the workplace were actually engaged in their job. So what does that mean on the flip side? About what, 64% people are just there. It's a job. It's a way to collect a paycheck, clock in, clock out, no investment into the company whatsoever. 36% of people actually care and invested into to the job that they're working on. So so 36% more, of the, 36% of the people actually want to be at that job, be at work. They and they the, want to be there. Yep. And the others come or go. If if the company down the road offers them a 50 cents an hour more, they possibly will pack up and leave. Very much so. And so when an, when an employer can do things for the workplace to make it a place that people want to be, um, even even if it's thinking about making it safe, but if they're making an environment where the employees feel comfortable, uh, where they're secure, where they're safe, where they're confident in their employer because their employer took took a um, uh, stepped up to the plate and put a work safe place safety program in place, that increases that employee engagement. Every percent that that goes up, that's less, you know, Retention that we'll touch on a little bit that's that you have to deal with in terms of reduction of force, hiring, firing, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I guess to the to the employee, it seems like they would think, well, wow, my employer cares, which I'm sure they do. But a lot of employers don't think about that. Just show a little consideration for your employee, increase the safety measures you have, keep them safe, make them happier, better productivity. And God forbid, if anything would ever happen, save yourself $42,000 if there was to be an incident. Yeah. And that actually ties into my next point, uh, point number three, JR, because you just hit the nail on the head. Um, it's about increasing morale, right? So when a business owner or a CFO is looking about how can I affect my bottom line, it's usually around four different points. It's around revenue. It's around cost of goods sold. It's around operating costs and it's around non-operating costs. So the first piece of that equation is revenue. The happier that you can keep your employees, the more that they produce, again, the more that they show up to work, um, they don't want to leave for a, a dollar down the road because they trust their employees, they're happy, they're confident in, in, in their workplace environment. Their spouses are glad that they're at an employer um, that is worried about their employees and making the best out of it. Those happy employees translate into higher workplace engagement, all because of a workplace safety program that's in place. I'll be darned. So that, um, there you go, morale is important. Keep your workers happy. What, I mean, in your little bag of tricks and ideas and, and uh, 
uh, thoughts there, Leonard? Is there anything besides safety that also keeps employees happy? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's uh, outside of safety. Um, yeah, there, there's there's plenty of things that keep employers happy, right? So it, it's benefit programs that are being offered to them. So take even take medical outside of that. It's, you know, what is my employer giving to me that I feel that there is a value here? Um, the millennial workforce is the highest uh, population of employees out there. And the average millennial is looking for about 11 to 12 different benefits with their company. And that includes everything from on-the-job training around safety um, and their day-to-day. It is inclusive of ancillary benefits. It is inclusive of things that make the employee feel valued in the organization Again, so that they're not leaving for a dollar down the road because the soft cost to them means so much more than the cost of change. I'll be darned. So, uh, and the millennial group, uh, it is a, like you said, a majority of our workforce. And I'm not a millennial. And I guess my way of thinking of business is a lot different than some of these younger folks that are in the market. It is. And actually, one of the most things that are asked about uh, to us is actually pet insurance. Um, Wait, traditionally. Stop. Pet insurance. <laughs> yep. pet insurance. Traditionally, a millennial families typically take longer to have families um, so that they, you know, they are actually uh, making their pets their family. Uh, so that's a cost there, right? Uh, you so they're asking for the, pet insurance availability through work? Asking for pet insurance and lots and lots of companies are offering it now as an ancillary benefit. I'll be darned. Okay. That's a new one on me. Pet insurance for... Yeah, it is. And and all the all this though it ties into the fourth point. So it is about better retention rates, right? So businesses that institute workplace safety programs, they see about a 7% increase in employee retention. I think it was if I'm not mistaken, and I I'll I'm pretty confident, but last year, um, and this is taking COVID out of the number, um, but for regular business turnover, that's voluntary, involuntary. Um, things of that nature, turnover ratio in the United States was 57%. So the average cost of a person exiting an organization is about 33% of salary. That 33%, if you think about it, is made up of whether it's severance package, whether it's medical, uh, whether it's vacation being paid out, PTO, things of that nature. The average cost of an exit of an employee is 33% of their salary. And then in turn, the average new hire costs about $4,100 because you're thinking about the time spent to bring them on board, recruiting, um, documentation, training. That first week when they're just trying to get a feel and not really being too productive, there's a cost associated with that, about $4,100. And both these figures are actually coming from SHRM, which is the Society for Human Resource Managers. So they're the ones that really have an insight into what's understanding the employee life cycle in organizations. Um, so you couple that turnover ratio with an average turnover, I mean, an average cost of 33% of a salary for an exit and $4,100 for a new hire. The key to success for a business is retention. Find the talent, keep the talent. And that's, again, what affects the bottom line with an organization with revenue. All right, Leonard, what I just heard is something completely different. What I heard you say and all that is sometimes it's just cheaper to keep them. It is. Now, there's a fine line, right? <laughs> You're killing me here, right? You're <laughs> killing me. It is. There, there's a fine line, right? Because there is going to be a natural 
there should be a natural turnover rate, right? Because right, I mean that I understand. Yeah, you, you have on, to upscale. The- yeah, right, and you have to upscale talent. Um, sometimes there, there's talent on there that shouldn't be there. That maybe it was a roll of the dice, and we brought the wrong person into that the organization. Average turnover ratio should be around twenty five to thirty percent yearly. So when we're hitting in the U.S. an average of a fifty seven percent turnover ratio. That's very much higher than normal. Um, and so organizations need to start to understand what can I do to make sure we're not only attracting the right talent, but we're maintaining them, keeping them for the long haul. Now, when you're talking about turnover ratio, this is over what period of time? I mean, are these folks turning over pretty quick? Are they there for a year or two before they leave and go someplace else? Do you, or do you have any any data on on that length of time that that 57% of, of how long they're actually going to stay there before there's a turnover? Uh, you know, I, I don't have uh, good question. I don't have the data on how long that stay is. Um, I will again also default to a little bit of a stat about millennials and, and millennials are getting older now. Um, but if we look back at them, go just ahead. As a, just as a disclaimer, millennials, if you're listening, we are not picking on you. Okay. This, no, not at all. This is just, this is just the way you are. You are who you are. We love you <laughs> for it, but God dang, man, sometimes you're killing me. You're killing me here, Smalls. It, it it's it's true. It, it's the the average millennial um, looks at and again this the millennials are getting older, so it's not like they're in their first job um, at this point right now. Millennials have been in the workforce for a good amount of time, especially to make up over fifty percent of the workforce population. Um, however, those millennials also right they're looking for advancement opportunities. They're looking for benefit opportunities. They're looking for things in their job that traditional generations beforehand just kind of took the approach of I show up to work, I put my head down, I do my job. If I get noticed, I get noticed. If not, at the end of the day, I have a job. Millennials are looking for more than that. So if the millennials are looking for that, right, the next generation is looking for that as well. So employers need to think, let's make our place a employer of choice. Um, Let's offer people advancement opportunities, workplace safety programs. What can we do to keep these people here to reduce that turnover number and keep our costs down? And let's throw in a yogurt bar and pet insurance, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I've, I've, I, mean, of course, everybody's <laughs> heard some of that stuff, right? Like, oh, the Google, they have, you know, the, the places where you can take a nap and ping pong, things of that nature. And yes, yeah, so, some of that is kind of out there left field, right? And when you start talking about small businesses, small businesses can't offer that. But what can they do to make their employees happy, right? There's small things such as a workplace safety program. Let's make sure that they're happy. Let's make sure that they're safe. Let's make sure that they're trained. Let's give them a skill that not only allows them to, to, to conduct their job effectively and efficiently, but also make sure that they're able to stay in the workforce because they have not only themselves, but families to provide for as well. Got it. Or maybe even buy the staff lunch once a week or something. There you go. Some, some businesses have been happy with, they do crazy sock Fridays, right? People get a kick out of the smallest thing sometimes. Crazy sock Fridays. Yep. I, I remember my dad at his job, they used to once a month, uh, once all orders were filled, they would have, you know, in the back where they would do barbecue and beer for the employees. Of course, now, you know, you think about HR, that's not always the best thing, uh, but they barbecue and beer. And that's something that the employees looked forward 
every single month. Um, and, you know, they knew that that was a goal and they just had to knock out their jobs. If they did it, they got barbecue and beer once a month. Well, in my opinion, I think 37% of the employees or 36% deserve barbecue and beer and those others that are just there not engaged, <laughs> you know, bring your own barbecue and beer. There you uh, go. What, what's your last point? Do we have one more point, Leonard? Yeah, one last point. So it, it, it ties it all in, right? It's reduced risk. It reduced risk of serious injuries and fatalities. Um, everything that we talked about to this point is, is something that comes out of an employer's pocket directly. It's not something that you can write off at tax time and know that you're going to get some type of you know tax incentive because of it. it it's a direct pullout. And th that's what I mentioned earlier about... Um, uh, oh, I can't even think of the word. You might have to edit this, JR. Um, non-operating expenses. Okay. So non-operating expenses are, they're the legal fees. They're the injuries. Um, they're all those costs that an owner doesn't predict for um, at the end of the year. So you made the, you made the statement earlier, a $42,000 fine because of an injury that a small business is not prepared for. That can stop them from hiring more people it can stop other employees from getting raises it can shut the doors for a small business that's oh, you know especially profiting on margins time. exactly wow. now Leonard, these these have been some very helpful uh tips or, or, or facts actually not tips facts of how to to do things right and and save money by actually implementing safety programs and well, Leonard, we're gonna have you back a, another time and maybe we can talk a little bit about those uh, millennials and those uh, habits that they have. So, all right, guys, thanks. And thank you for joining us and uh, listen in. You can listen to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and please share and give us a comment and a like. Thank you very much. Leonard, see you next time, bud.